Bibles, if you would, to Matthew chapter 18, <clears throat> Matthew chapter 18, and also Luke chapter 23. So we're going to be in both books. So use one of the envelopes, a connection card, your ribbon in your Bible, something. We're going to be bouncing back and forth between these two passages, Matthew chapter 18 and Luke chapter 23. So give you plenty of warning. <laughs> <clears throat> Uh, we're going to start in Matthew chapter 18, though, just so you know. So uh, put something in Luke chapter 23. We have spent the last five weeks talking about relationships and some of the difficulties that come along with relationships, um, some of the answers that God gives us in the Word of God on how to uh, deal with relationships. But... <clears throat> The one thing that we've learned, at least that I've learned through it, is that relationships, even though that they, even though relationships can be difficult sometimes, at best, uh, relationships are ne necessary. We we need each other. So the fact is, we need to learn God's plan on how to have successful relationships. I have made a, this statement multiple times over the last several weeks. I'm going to read it again, and you'll hear it again, I'm sure, at the end of the sermon. <clears throat> but there is an incredible peace and freedom that comes when we let go of hurt, grudges and anger, and learn to forgive like Christ forgave us. Now, I want to stop right here, and I want to say this. You might already be thinking, wait a minute, this is Easter morning, Resurrection Sunday. What does this have to do with the resurrection? And it has everything to do with the resurrection. Because we're talking about forgiveness, are we not? Is not what happened on the cross and... The resurrection, is that not all about forgiveness? It has everything to do with it. So so just kind of bear with me. Hopefully uh, my intention is to tie it all together and at, by the end it'll all make sense to you. But the parable that we're getting ready to read in Matthew chapter 18 was a result of Peter asking Jesus a question. This question that Peter asks has haunted mankind from creation. Let's look at the question. Matthew chapter 18, <clears throat> verse 21. Then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him till seven times? And Jesus saith unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until 70 times 7. And we've talked about this. Jesus is not telling him, okay, you have a certain number of times that you can forgive, and then, and then you can lower the hammer. That's not what he's saying. He Basically, what Jesus is saying is, you just keep forgiving. Just keep forgiving. Keep forgiving. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for this time together in your word. We ask that you would speak to our hearts, that you would encourage us, that you would strengthen us. 
But Lord, that your son would be lifted up and honored this morning. We truly are thankful and grateful for all that you do. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. I was reading this week and the author that I was reading, I don't even remember what I was reading. I just was reading on unforgiveness and just kind of refreshing my memory on some things. And I came across something and I, again, I, I would give credit to the author, but I cannot remember where I read this. But he, he, he makes mention of the three H's of relationship or forgiveness, the three H's of forgiveness. And that is uh, humility, honesty, and healing. And he goes on, and, and, and I'm, I'm condensing it for you, but this is basically what he said. Forgiveness is at the center uh, of the three H's. It takes humility to ask for, for forgiveness. It takes honesty to be able to forgive. And it is healing that restores and strengthens relationships. And I, I, I just thought I'd share that this morning because it's so true. Last week we talked about six different principles of forgiveness. So let me refresh your memory uh, in case you forgot. Um, <clears throat> forgiveness comes after repentance. Forgiveness may require repeating. That's the one we don't like. Uh, forgiveness is permanent. Forgiveness is unmerited. Forgiveness prohibits uh, vengeance. And forgiveness prevents bitterness. Let's continue reading in Matthew uh, chapter 18, in verse 22. And Jesus said unto him, I say unto thee, until seven, time, oh, uh, uh, seven times, but until seventy times seven, therefore is the kingdom of God or excuse me, the kingdom of heaven, likened unto a certain king which would take account of his servants. And when he had begun to reckon, one, one was brought unto him, which owed him 10,000 talents. But for as much as he had not to pay, the Lord commanded him to be sold and his wife and his children and all that he had and uh, payment to be made. And the servant therefore fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I will repay thee all. Then the Lord of the servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him the debt. But the same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants, which owed him a hundred pence, and laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me that thou owest. And the fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will repay thee all. And he would not, because, uh, but went and cast him into, into prison until he should pay the debt. So when the fellow servant saw, <clears throat> excuse me, when his, uh, when his fellow servant saw uh, what was done, they were very sorry and came and told uh, unto their Lord all that had that was done. And when his Lord, after that he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all the debt because thou desirest me. Shouldst not thou also have had compassion 
on thy fellow servant, even as I had on thee, uh, pity on thee. And the Lord was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay him all that <clears throat> was due unto him. So likewise shall your heavenly Father do also unto you if ye <clears throat> from your hearts forgive not every one his brother their trespass. We've talked about forgiveness. Striving together in forgiveness. This is part three of this of this sermon. Striving together, part part three. We talked about the participants two weeks ago. Last week we talked about the principles which I read to you earlier. This morning I want to talk about the priorities of forgiveness. The priorities of forgiveness. The principle the, the, the priorities of forgiveness are very, very clear in this passage. There are, there are basically two priorities uh, when it comes to forgiveness. The first one is compassion. Compassion. Very clearly laid out in this, pas- uh, this passage. The other priority is, is something that <clears throat> is, is laid out also, but is not specifically talked about. It is just acted out. And that is obedience. So you have compassion and obedience are the two principles that are very clearly demonstrated in this passage. Today is Resurrection Day. Easter, some people call it Easter, some call it... I prefer Resurrection Day, uh, but that's just me. Um, But without his resurrection, and, and this is really the key to the importance of resurrection, Without his resurrection, our faith would be empty and worthless. And and we're going to talk about this tonight, but without his resurrection, we would have nothing to to stand on. It's because of his resurrection, we have victory over death. We have victory over sin. Christ's death on the cross was a perfect example of compassion and obedience. So this morning, letter A, point, point A, our examples, our example. And I want to I look at Christ as our example. Uh, turn over to Luke chapter 23, <clears throat> verse 34. Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiment and cast lots. Compassion. I cannot think of a greater demonstration of compassion than that. And then we see his obedience in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 8. And being found uh, in fashion of a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Now, how difficult was the obedience of Christ? Now, we, oftentimes we forget that Jesus was 100% God, and simultaneous to that, he was 100% human. Now, how you know, oftentimes we think, oh, it was easy for Jesus to go to the death, uh, for the death on the cross because he was God. 
but he was 100% human. And the same pain and struggle that you deal with, he dealt with. I want to read you something in Isaiah that hopefully will give you a, a, an idea of some of the suffering, the physical suffering that Jesus went through for you and for me. Isaiah chapter 52, verse 14. As many were astounded at thee. You get that opening phrase, astounded. In other words, as they stood and looked at the cross, he, he had been beaten so bad that they, they were speechless. They were astounded at thee. His visage was so marred more than any man and his form more than the sons of men. Think about this. Many theologians believe, and I, I, there's nowhere in Scripture to prove this, but many theologians believe that he was beaten so bad that he was unrecognizable as a man. And, and you can tell by this passage in Isaiah that as, they, as the onlookers looked at him, they were in astonishment at his visage or his body. The, 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 the misnomer that we see oftentimes of uh, uh, images of Christ on a cross and him just standing there like this is, is not true. He suffered greatly for your sins and for mine. His compassion and his obedience is clearly seen in what we call the seven sayings of Christ on the cross. As Christ hung on the cross, he, they were, he said seven different statements. And I want to I share these seven statements with you this morning because, it's, again, it, it, they demonstrate his compassion and his obedience. The first one we just read uh, in, in uh, Luke chapter 23, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. That was the very first statement that he made on the cross. And when Je what Jesus is literally saying, this is, this is literally what he's saying. Father, send their sins away. Can you imagine having been beaten to the point where everybody who's looking at you is, is looking at you in absolute disgust? Hanging on a cross, having been beaten like that, and having the ability to say, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. That is compassion, my friend. That is compassion. That is a demonstration of the compassion that he had for the very men that had just beat him. That is a compassion that he has for you and for me. The second statement we see in Luke chapter 23 and verse 43. And Jesus said unto him, 
Verily I say unto thee, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. Again, another statement of compassion. Let's back up to verse 39 and get the full context of what's going on here. And one of the malefactors which uh, were hanged railed on him, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. But the other answered, rebuking him, rebuked him, saying, Dost not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds, but this man hath done nothing amiss. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember, <clears throat> remember me when thou comest to thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. On the cross, one of the thieves mocking Jesus, as he's saying, Hey, if, if you're the Christ, then save you and, and us. And it reminds me of the temptation that Satan had with Jesus after his 40 days of fasting. But the other demonstrated incredible faith. And Jesus then demonstrated incredible compassion. Did you, do you notice what's missing in this passage? Jesus, what's missing, at least in my thinking, is Jesus never rebukes the one who makes fun of him. He only pays attention to the one who says, remember me when you, when you go to, to, to your kingdom. That man could do nothing to earn his way to heaven. Because within a few short uh, hours, he would die. There was nothing he could do to earn God's grace. And I'm here to tell you there's nothing you and I can do to earn God's grace. The third statement. Woman, behold thy son. We actually see it in John chapter 19, verse 25 to 27. Now there stood by the cross of Jesus, his mother, and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of uh, Cleopas and Mary Magdalene. And when Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple standing by whom he loved. Let me, let me stop right there. Uh, whenever you see the, the phrase <clears throat> the, in the book of John, uh, the disciple that Jesus loved, John is always referring to himself. He never wanted to identify himself, but he always he always wanted to identify himself by the one who Jesus loved. I, lo I, lo I love that. Just saying. And he said unto, unto his, his mother, Woman, behold thy son. Then he said, un, uh, uh, said, then said he uh, to the disciple, Behold thy mother. And from that hour, that disciple took her unto his own home. 
in the midst of all the pain. Jesus never forgot his responsibilities. As the eldest son, it was his responsibility to make sure that his mother was taken care of. And he looks down at his disciple, the one that he loved, John. And he says, John, behold thy mother. Mom, your son. Compassion. In the midst of all that pain. Now I want you to pay attention here because this is, this is important. The first three statements on the cross are statements about others, showing his compassion on others. These statements, again, are, are, are just an incredible demonstration of compassion. After these statements, there is three hours of darkness. And it's during this time of darkness that Jesus takes on him this, himself the sins of the world. And it's during this darkness that God turns his face away from his son. And there is separation between God the Father and God the Son. Because God cannot look upon sin as he takes on your sin and my sin. The physical pain that Jesus had, had endured is nothing compared to the three hours of pain of being separated from his heavenly Father. And the darkness that, that, that the earth experiences this time is a, is a uh, uh, symbol <clears throat> excuse me, uh, is the symbol of judgment. For three hours, Jesus pays the price. At the end of those three hours, he makes three more statements and they come in rapid succession, <clears throat> demonstrating not only his compassion, but his obedience to the will of God, his Father. The fourth statement he makes, we see in Matthew chapter 27, verse 46. Why hast thou forsaken me? And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabbatani, that is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? For three hours, God and Jesus were separated, causing incredible pain. In fact, Jesus' statement is a direct quote from <clears throat> Psalm chapter 22, verse 1. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? I can't imagine. I truly cannot imagine the pain and the suffering that Jesus endured on the cross. I cannot imagine the, the, the physical pain that he endured with the beating prior to being put on the cross. Then being nailed to the cross and 
<clears throat> the Bible the Bible says that every joint in his body was out of joint. Can you imagine? I, I, I honestly cannot imagine. I have dislocated both of my ankles. And, and just that, the pain is excruciating. But every bone in his body was out of joint. The physical pain was absolutely unbearable as he hung on the cross and they nailed him to the cross. And then they stood the cross up and then they dropped it in the hole. More than likely, that's when the, the joints became disjointed. I, I don't know if that's a word. Disjointed, yes. <clears throat> the pain, the physical pain. And then the pain being separated from your father. to pay for your sins and for mine. About now you may be thinking, wow, Pastor, this is not very much fun. I thought this was an exciting day. It is an exciting day. And we're going to get there. But you need to understand what he went through. You know the old, the old, the old saying, it's Friday, but Sunday's coming. You know, for, for the longest time, <clears throat> for the longest time, I never could understand, because if you understand the prophetic, not the prophetic calendar, but the, um, uh, the Passion Week calendar, Friday is the day of crucifixion. And, and it's, Friday is always referred to as Good Friday. And, I, and I, for the longest time, I thought, that, what, what is so good about this? Because of all the suffering and the pain. Well, what's good about it is three days later, he raises from the dead. But if we don't understand the suffering that takes place on Friday, it diminishes what happens three days later. The next saying. Oh, let me, let me read this first. <clears throat> 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. For three hours he was made sin for you and for me. The next statement we see is he says, I thirst. And this is an interesting statement. We see it in John chapter 19, verses 28 and 29. It says, After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the Scripture might be fulfilled, saying, I thirst. Now there was set a vessel full of vinegar, and they filled the sponge with vinegar and put uh, it upon hyssop and put it uh, to his mouth, clearly showing his humanity. The vinegar had something in it, I, and I, I did a little bit of research on it. I probably should have done a little bit more, but anyway, the vinegar they would the Roman soldiers <clears throat> when they would, would they would use vinegar, 
they would put something in the vinegar to help dull the pain. So what they would do is, as these individuals were being crucified, they would offer them vinegar, and they would they would put it on a long uh, pole or, or the hyssop, and then they would they would they would soak a sponge, and they would and then the the, the person being crucified could suck on it, and it would help dull the pain. So that they so that they actually this shows how twisted the Romans were so that they would, it would lessen the pain so the crucifixion would take longer. And if you go back and reread the account, Jesus, prior to this, this, this statement, has refused the vinegar. And by doing that, as he, as he endured that three hours of separation, he wanted to do it with a clear head. But now that the price had been paid, the human side of him took over and he says, I thirst. And they took the sponge and they put it to his mouth to dull some of the pain that he was going through. See, the drink of vinegar did not quench the thirst it just dulled the pain. And then he says, it is finished. John chapter 19, verse 28 to 30. After this, Jesus knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, saying, I thirst. Now, there was set a vessel full of vinegar, and they filled it, <clears throat> filled a sponge with vinegar and put it on, upon hyssop and put it to his mouth. When Jesus, therefore, had received the vinegar, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head, and he gave up the ghost. There is an important word in this verse that is often missed and is the word gave. His life was not taken. He gave his life. He gave his life. He voluntarily went to the cross. He voluntarily went through the the physical pain and the the, the spiritual pain of being separated from his heavenly father. He gave his life for your sin and for mine. He gave. It is finished. The Greek word for it is finished is the word tetelestai. Tetelestai is, a, is an interesting word that was used and it meant and this is literally what it means is mean it means it is finished it is currently finished and it will be finished so what what he's saying when he says to tell us die he says your sins of the past are taken care of your sins of the present are taken care of and your sins of the future are taken care of 
to Telestai. To Telestai, uh, it was also an interesting word because in, in, in that particular day and time, uh, <clears throat> it was used by merchants. If, if you owned or if you owed a merchant money, and 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 you would go in and you would pay on this on this on this debt regularly when you would go in to make the final payment the merchant would then say to telestai it is completely paid for no more debt and that's what jesus said in reference to your sin and for mine to tell us time. It's paid for. It's all done. John chapter 1, verse 29. The next day, John seeth, <clears throat> seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. Do you get what he says here? That taketh away. He doesn't just forgive your sins, but he takes them away. What an incredible truth. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus paid the price. And then the last saying that we have uh, on the cross, Father, into thy hands I commend my, my, my spirit. In Luke chapter 23 and verse 46, uh, <clears throat> and when Jesus had cried with a loud voice, he said, Father, into, my, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And having said thus, he gave up the ghost. It tells us how Jesus died confidently, willingly, and victoriously. He died confidently, willingly, and victoriously. What was that that song we just sang? Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. So we looked at letter A, our, our example. Now let's look at the hard one, our responsibility. Our responsibility. Jesus' death on the cross is our example, but his resurrection is our, our power to, to live our responsibilities. And the context of what we're talking about here is compassion and obedience. Because he lives, I can have compassion and I can be obedient in the area of forgiveness. Look back at Matthew chapter 18 in verse 33. In the parable, near the end of the parable, we see... What Jesus says here, Should, shouldest not thou also have had compassion on thy fellow servant 
even as I had compassion on thee. What is Jesus saying here? The, the, the parable, the, the direct uh, interpretation of the parable here is the, 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 the master of the servant says, you know what, you should have had compassion because I had compassion on you. What is the, the spiritual application that we can make out of this? It's really pretty clear. Because Jesus had compassion on you, you can have compassion on others. There is nothing... I'm going to say something here, and, and, you, and, and you, can, you can argue with me all day long, and, and, but the, the reality is, I know for a fact many of people in this room are dealing with some pretty deep hurts. I, I understand that, and I know that. But there is nothing that anybody on this earth can do to you that is worse than what was done to Jesus. And he still forgave. In the midst of all that pain and all that suffering, he still forgave. And because he forgave, so can we. As hard as it is, and I understand, and I am not trying to diminish, I am not trying to diminish what has happened to anybody in this room. Because I, again, I know that many of you deal with some things that are, are really hard. And I'm not trying to diminish that. But I am trying to say, because he forgave, we can forgive too. Compassion in our lives is a direct reflection of what's going on in our hearts. In Jude chapter 21, or well, no, there's only one chapter in Jude. <clears throat> Jude 21 and 22. Keep yourself in the love of God, looking for the mercy of the Lord of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And some having compassion making a difference. If you want to make a difference in this world, have compassion. Now, I, I will say this. Jesus had compassion and he it, it cost him a lot. When we have compassion in our lives, it will cost us. It's just part of it. But if you want to make a difference in this world for the Lord Jesus Christ, start by having compassion. When we exercise forgiveness or unforgiveness, it is a direct response to our relationship with Jesus Christ. If we are unforgiving people, that is a direct re reflection of what's going on in our walk with God. There's an interesting statement in Psalm chapter 86 and verse 5. For thou, Lord, art good and ready to forgive and plenteous in mercy unto all them that call upon thee. The interesting statement is this. He is ready to forgive. 
Literally, what, what, that, what that verse is saying is Jesus is sitting there just waiting for you to ask so that he can forgive. It's, it's, it's one of these things where as soon as you ask, he said, okay, good, we're good. That's behind us now. Let's move on. It also takes me back to the, the verse in Revelation in chapter 3 where he says, I stand at the door and knock, and any man who hear my voice and open the door and come in, uh, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. Jesus is pounding on the door of your heart. And he, 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 he's ready to forgive. What an incredible picture. And that is the attitude that we should have as well. We need to be ready to forgive. By being ready to forgive, it's going to make us vulnerable. And there's not one of us in this room likes to be vulnerable. But we need to be. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 32. Be and be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35. A new commandment give I unto you, that ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye love, <clears throat> if ye have love one to another. Just as compassion in our lives is a direct reflection of our relationship with Christ, so is obedience. Obedience is a result of compassion. Obedience in the area of forgiveness uh, has to be a priority in our lives. It has to be. Uh, Look at Matthew chapter 18 uh, in verse 34. And his Lord was wroth and delivered him uh, to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due him unto him. So likewise shall your heavenly Father do also unto you, if ye uh, from your hearts forgive not every one his brother their trespasses. God will always, always provide a way for us to be obedient to his will in our lives. Sometimes it hurts, but there's always a way to accomplish it. Now, I'm going to close with asking three questions. Now, do not answer these questions out loud, okay? These are three questions I want you to ponder. Question number one. Is there someone that has wronged you that you need to reach out to? Is there someone who has wronged you that you need to reach out to? Question number two. Is there someone that you have wronged that you need to reach out to? And then question number three. Is there someone that you simply just need to forgive? so that you can move on. You know, I don't, I don't know the answers to, to, that, to those three questions. I know the answers to those three questions in my life, but that's it. I want to I go back to the very beginning. I read you the three H's 
It takes humility to be able to forgive. It takes honesty to be able to for, to for, to to uh, forgive, and it takes healing that restores and strengthens relationships. There's an incredible peace and freedom that comes when we let go of hurt, grudges, and anger, and learn to forgive, like Christ forgave us. Hopefully this morning, I've painted a picture of what Jesus went through on the cross so that you can understand that statement a little bit better. How much Christ forgave us. How much Christ loves you. See, his death on the cross is our example. But his resurrection is the power that gives us the ability to have compassion. And obedience. John chapter 10, verse 17 and 18. Therefore, doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life, that I might take it up again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This command have I received of my Father. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. I know he holds the future, and life is worth living just because he lives. Where are you in your walk with, with God this morning? I can't answer the next question I'm about to ask in, in your life. But are you holding on to some bitterness, some, some, some hatred maybe even? Are you holding on to something, uh, 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 somebody hurt you? or I, 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 Again, I can't answer the question, but I can tell you this. You can forgive because he forgave you. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. I know he holds the future. And life is worth living just because he lives. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for your love. Thank you for all that you do in our lives. I am so thankful that we have this day that we can come together and celebrate the resurrection because it, it is symbolic of the power that you have and that you give us. Thank you so much for coming and dying on the cross and going through all of that for me. Lord, as we close our service this morning, I ask that you would speak to our hearts. 
And Lord, I, it is understandable that in the midst of our group this morning, there are people who are hurting. There are people that are struggling with possibly even bitterness, pain, turmoil. We ask, dear God, that you would speak to our hearts and that you would encourage us, strengthen us. With every head bowed and every eye closed, let me ask you,